Chapter 5. Tickets. At the Munich Festival in the summer of 1977, my need for tickets could not have been greater. There was a performance of the Richard Strauss opera Die Frau ohne Schatten, bringing together two of the greatest singers of the post-war generation, Birgit Nilsson and Dietrich Fischer-Dieskau. My girlfriend Katrine was visiting from Strasbourg, four hours away by train, and she was in love with Fischer-Dieskau. Unfortunately, all seats had been sold months previously. A colleague had advised me to go to the most expensive hotel in town, Die Vierjahrzeiten, and ask the head porter if he could sell me a ticket. I did so. Ah, yes, he said when I told him what I wanted. That's a performance with Birgit Nielsen, isn't it? He then opened his desk drawer, revealing a quantity of apparently unobtainable tickets. Without a blush, he offered me two seats for one hundred marks each. Although I saw that the original price of each ticket was thirty marks, I accepted without hesitation, and later was to feel that the money was very well spent. It was the last time I was to hear Nielsen live. She was nearly sixty, but vocally she was still extraordinary, the sound of her soprano soaring above the big Strauss orchestra, and with that very personal heft which gave emotional depth and colour to what she was singing. And I recall vividly that when the two great singers appeared together to take their bow, Fischer Dieskau, whose own performance had been itself very impressive, with a typical courteous gesture deferred to her as if to say, She deserves your ovation. I can't match her. Ten years later we were in Dresden, and of course wanted to attend performances at the famous and beautiful Semper Oper. Arriving at the box office, I was informed that there were no tickets left. At first dismayed, I then recalled my strategy at Munich. Would a black market transaction which had been so easy in capitalist Western Germany be possible in the socialist German Democratic Republic? The East German regime was known to be rigid, and in any event was not hospitable to Western tourists. I was therefore nervous as I crossed the river Elba and walked up to the main hotel frequented by foreigners. But the porter there treated my request as if it were routine and supplied my needs with an equivalent mark-up to that gained by his Munich equivalent. I am still unclear whether or not this was legal and whether he and I had taken the risk of arrest and imprisonment. What the Munich and Dresden episodes illustrate is that true opera enthusiasts cannot bear the idea of missing a performance that they passionately want to see, and will find the means, fair or foul, of securing a ticket. In the economics textbooks there is a technical expression to describe this type of behaviour. It is called inelastic demand. In relation to most goods which people buy, an increase in price reduces the amount which they are prepared to pay for. Demand is elastic. But when the desire for the particular goods is very high, price increases do not change the amount buyers wish to purchase, or only to a small degree. When introducing this concept to my students, I have generally given the example of my own opera-going behaviour. So, with the inelasticity of my demand for opera performances, is there no limit to what I am prepared to pay? Of course there is, and in any event it depends on the performance in question.' 